the the problem is not climate change. The problem uh, is not that we have to adopt uh, uh, ourselves to uh, different uh, situations. The problem is that we have an economic system that is killing life, killing nature. And with the killing of nature and life, we're killing ourselves. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Blom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk. Hey everybody, this is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen, and as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce himself. Case, please uh, go ahead. Hey, hello, my uh, my name is Case Klomp. Um, I'm 54, uh, and I'm living in the rural part of, of the north in the Netherlands in a very small village called uh, called Drouwe. Um, I was I was actually born and raised in in Haarlem, which is on the west coast of the of the Netherlands, um, uh, in a, in a city. Um, but um, my wife and I decided to uh, emigrate in our own country, as we call it, to uh, to leave the city and to live uh, in a very small uh, uh, farmer's uh, village. Uh, so we bought a farmhouse and we changed our uh, lifestyle. We live in the midst of. Um, of of nature, um, um, and um, well, I was I was I was born in um, in 1968, and uh, grew up in a uh, middle class uh, family. My 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 father uh, was a shop owner in uh, in in Harlem. A uh, very strange combination of a drugstore and a f- uh, paint shop. Um, uh, so he sold paint uh, for uh, for houses and uh, etc. And c- combined with a with a drugstore, um, and um, that combination s- sounds really strange, but it was very common uh, before the war, <laughs> uh, because the idea was that people buy paint in spring and in summer. Uh, but not in winter because you can't paint uh, your house in in winter, and then mm-hmm. people need st- stuff for flu and and other. <laughs> so there uh, is interesting concept uh, yeah. behind it. Um, and um, um, I I had two very uh, important uh, granddads uh, in my uh, in my life uh, that really formed uh, me. So the 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 dad from my on my father's side. <laughs> Um, was an entrepreneur, uh, just like my father. By the way, they all had the same name, Case. So you can imagine uh, what uh, plans my uh, my parents had for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my 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 grandfather started this company before the war, uh, and he was he was a f- fantastic entrepreneur. He had he always had ideas. He he. He really, really loved um, uh, his client, and I could see how my father inhabited all these traits uh, and and how fruitful they uh, they were. So there's always been an entrepreneurial part in me. 
Uh, and then my my uh, granddad, from my mom's side, was a very colorful uh, figure as well. Um, uh, he was a hardline, hardcore communist uh, from uh, Almuide, which is a coastal uh, city uh, in the mm -hmm. Netherlands. And and he worked in the harbor, you know, as any good communist needs <laughs> you, you know, blue collar worker. And mm -hmm. uh, um, and we had. Well, from as, as young as I can remember, we had very vivid uh, talks about um, ideology, about um, uh, capitalism versus communism. And I can remember that for my 16th birthday, he gave me Das Kapital by Karl Marx. Uh, mm -hmm. And he said, you know, read it. This is important uh, <laughs> stuff if you, want to, if you want to understand the world. So um, I'm a very strange synthesis of mm -hmm. a, a very um, a liberal capitalist <laughs> uh, granddad with mm -hmm. all the beauty of death uh, and of a, a hardcore uh, socialist with the beauty of, uh, of that as well. When I grew up, I knew from a quite a young age that I didn't want to work in my in my father's uh, shop although you know I I've always enjoyed working there I worked there from very early uh, days on mm -hmm. um but it it was you know too I don't know too too tight uh, so I wanted I wanted to do something uh, different so I I I, um, I went to um study political science at the University of Amsterdam um specialized in cultural media studies and and anarchist anarchist studies um and and somehow um uh, for for a reason i still don't really know is i ended up in advertising so i wrote a um, really? I wrote, yeah i wrote my thesis about how hip hop from a black subculture changes into mm -hmm. hip hop white mass culture uh, you know and i was very very engaged with how hip hop should be, and I, I really, really detested advertising, and um, uh, but still, <laughs> he ended up in advertising, uh, and worked there for uh, well, quite a quite some 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 years with very int uh, uh, internationally respected uh, agencies like BBDO and Young and Rubicum, all, all from the US, by the way, um, and um, I did that for. Uh, well, long, almost 15 years or something. And, and then I had a very important decisive, decisive moment, um, which is called a burnout. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, and that really was a, a, a really fundamental wake-up call uh, because if I'm honest, uh, I was bored out uh, already years before, but you know the the money was wonderful. Uh, I was good at my job, uh, respected, uh, and maybe even addicted to that aspect mm -hmm. of the job. And then, um, so it took it took me a burnout to wake up to under to to realize that I wasn't living up to my 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 true values a mm -hmm. bit. And um, and that is the moment where I I started um, to to yeah well let's say reconnect with my more ideological my more personal uh, values and um, and then I started my my little my own little company that I called Karmanomics. So uh, I I I've, I try to learn a lot from the way that Buddhism 
perceives the world. And I found a lot of inspiration in in stuff like com- compassion and living kindness and interconnectedness into being. And I thought, you know, this is this is how business should be. And I called that betekenis economy in Dutch, which I have now translated as existential economics in the in English. And um, I try to you know, you know, more and more give meaning and content to that uh that idea because it started out as an idea the, the word popped up in my head and i said yes this is it <laughs> uh, and i couldn't explain why and uh, well i've been doing that ever since first first as a consultant but since uh, 2016 i um i worked at a an institute with that was part of the erasmus university in uh, in in the netherlands i was i was managing director and then uh two years ago i was asked to become professor at the Rotterdam University of Applied Science, and I'm, I'm at this moment, I'm, I'm researching uh, existential economics as a, as a potential new economic system, uh, and also mm-hmm. in curriculum. That's so that's in a, yeah, yeah. In, a in a short, yeah. <laughs> no, in a nutshell. <laughs> A question about your, you know, the the economy that you're working on, existential, existential economics, existential economics, is that the same or similar to the purpose purpose economy? You know, the book that Aaron Hurst uh, wrote. Yes, it is, but uh, I have one problem with uh, with Aaron Hurst's uh, perception of. Um, uh, of uh, economics, and that mm-hmm. he and that he he stops at purpose, or what he what he does is he um, uses purpose and meaning as two different words for the same phenomenon, uh, and I don't I don't agree, uh, and this is what part of the the research I've been doing. So um, I see existential economics as a process that combines purpose and and meaning. So in my um, uh, perception in my theory uh, it starts and I've I've been doing uh, well, literally hundreds of interviews with social mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and game changers and to uh, to try to understand and to grasp how they went about uh, with, with starting their mission-driven uh, businesses and I found out that without any exception uh, mm-hmm. literally without any exceptions they all had a a moment of calling they all were being called. They all had a moment which they all could remember very vividly, wherein they decided that a certain societal problem became personal for them by choice. So they all uh, had this epiphany, this, this pivotal moment where a certain societal problem became so close to them that they internalized it by choice to make it their own problem. I decide to own the problem. And what people describe with this moment, that is a moment of moment of consciousness, is, is purpose. Their lives get turned around and get mm-hmm. a very clear distinction, a very clear focus from that moment on. It's, the, it's their same life, mm-hmm. but this moment changed everything. And what they and what they gain is a sense of focus, again, a sense of direction. Um, which people described as as purpose, and uh, and then if these folks start to act upon this cause that they have mm-hmm. embraced, 
the moment that they start to act um, in service of solving the societal problem that they have made their own, mm -hmm. this is when people describe having a sense of meaning, which they describe mm -hmm. emotions as fulfillment, um, um, uh, well-being, mm -hmm. uh, uh, contentment, all these uh, elements, which, which are, in my humble opinion, is are different words for uh, a description of, of, of happiness, not in the Western uh, sense of definition, but more in the Eastern uh, mm -hmm. uh, definition, a more Buddhist uh, uh, approach. And so meaning is a, a sense of personal, um, individual well-being. Uh, in that aspect, um, so I, I totally agree with with Aaron's um, investigation, wherein he sees the rise of a new uh, economic system based upon our changing uh, needs. But I don't agree with him. Is that purpose and meaning are are one and and uh, and the same? I think I think they're quite distinctively. This it starts with purpose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> purpose without. Uh, agency without mm -hmm. activism, without en en engagement, doesn't create meaning. Mm -hmm. You need to act first to experience uh, uh, meaning. It's a it's a it's a reaction, and this is also this is also really important, I think, because a lot of companies nowadays mm -hmm. um, embrace purpose, but they treat it as a noun. So mm -hmm. they you know this they they are they use really fancy words to describe their well what is basically a mission mm -hmm. um uh, but in my opinion uh, purpose is a verb eh? so mm -hmm. you have to act upon uh, the your your focus your direction in uh, in life and to enable you to experience uh, meaning um whereas um uh, Aaron says uh, uh, you can use the word purpose or meaning and they're the same and uh, I disagree Fascinating. I, I, have a, I have a number of questions, <laughs> you know, while, while listening to you. Um, first, maybe the question about because you said you, you know you talked with hundreds of of people and, and organizations. Yes. Um, was that those organizations were they mainly businesses or did you also talk with NGO uh, NGOs, you know, and their I, CEOs? Yeah. And I, was I, there I, a difference then between these NGOs and these businesses or? Yes, there is there is there is difference, um, but there is also a lot of similarities mm -hmm. in 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 this case because both uh, social entrepreneurs and people working in NGOs are intrinsically driven by uh, by the same sense of direction. Um, what um, what I do find uh, an interesting uh, difference is that. A lot of social entrepreneurs have to have the ability to um, to focus more on on the impact side of uh, things, to think more. Well, you could say rationally, more efficiency driven than a lot of people that I spoke to in NGOs. Because in NGOs, of course, I well ideology and idealism is really key. Whereas uh, social entrepreneurs also need to make money, otherwise they're not able to uh, to continue. Uh, and so they they are well more balanced, you could say, 
uh, by their uh, necessity to also embrace the market and to uh, to make sure that they 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 also have well c- commercial viability. You wrote a book called Thrive. So the Thrive book is um, is 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 my uh, first and and yet only uh, English book, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and the idea was and what the 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 concept of the book was that I wanted to give my students uh, the possibility to um, learn from a lot of economic thinkers that they weren't um, uh, put in contact with through conventional uh, business education. And so I work at a business school and um, our business school focuses on the current economic system, uh, which is neoliberal, neoclassical economics, uh, market efficiency, uh, homo economicus, rational human beings, la di da 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 And um, uh, so they get, they get economics, but... Well, basically, that is um, uh, the new economic. Uh, uh, well, it's basically Milton Friedman uh, uh, and uh, and Hayek and the and the whole uh, school uh, co- combined with that, and also in you know developed in this mm-hmm. methodology that we call economics uh, at this moment. But they aren't introduced with really disruptive new uh, thinkers. You know, if you if you have a very enlightened lecturer. Then he or she might uh, introduce Kate Rayward because Kate Rayward, uh, with the donut economy, is is a, you know is a is a very big in in Europe in in the Netherlands. Everybody knows her, um, but she is only one of the I think crucial heterodonics uh, uh, new economic schools and um, and thinkers out there. So my my basic idea was let's create a reader <laughs> that enables my students to 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 get well get acquainted with regenerative economics well-being economics degrowth economics common good economics buddhist economics Mm. um which i knew all existed uh but a lot of my students and even teachers or lecturers don't know Mm. have no idea uh and the reason i find it really urgent is uh is that i think that we can find the answers to our current crises in these new economic thinkers because mm. the new economic system or the uh, the current economic system is the cause, the root cause of all the societal problems that we are in. It's the economic system that is causing climate change. It's the mm. economic system that is creating biodiversity loss. It's the economic system that is creating wealth inequality. It's the economic system that is creating political polarization. It's the economy that is creating depression and burnout and 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 loneliness. Um, so um, I wanted to offer my my students the capacity to have an out the outside the box look. So I, it started out as a reader, uh, and then I approached a couple of these folks. Well, basically, Kate was the first, and uh, and she immediately said, For, "You know, case, let's not create a reader." Let's uh, ask uh, a bunch of people to to write an essay because you know my book is out there and I would like to tell a new story, and uh, and so it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it this wasn't the plan, but it emerged, okay. and uh, it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful accident. 
um, and this book is existential economics because existential economics, in, in the way that I see it, is is a very pluralistic approach to to, to economics. So I don't think that any of the essays in the book is what the e- new economics is about. They're all components, parts of, I think, the new system. So I think the new system is about degrowth, but it's not only degrowth. <laughs> uh, and I think it's about regeneration, but it's not only regenerative. And it's about um, commons, but not only uh, commons. And it's about indigenous economics, but not only <laughs> Um, so I use existential economics as a umbrella term to basically uh, create room for multiple pluralistic approaches of um, of, uh, of of economics. So I I don't I also don't have because I wrote a book uh, after Thrive in, uh, in 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 Dutch in the Netherlands, which is called Betekenis Economy, which is also used in um, in in education. Um, but I very explicitly didn't define existential economics but um, created the demarcation and so uh, mm. I, I, I try to show people or point them in the right direction but I leave a lot of room for them to 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 maneuver so I basically build I give them the, the, the principles and the practices um, but I don't want to pin, pin me down to you know the donut is the model no the donut is a model and it's really interesting because uh, what it basically does is introducing foundational capital, <laughs> ecological ceiling, social foundation, foundationals, <laughs> really in- important. Uh, and if you look at um, uh, Buddhist uh, economics, Buddhist economics introduce sufficiency, really interesting and important uh, as well. But you know, it's not everything. But sufficiency is part of the of the of the solution. And what they all have in common, and this is impor- is really important, and the reason why the book is called Thrive, um, is that the, the the paradigm of the current economic system is grow. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that people understand that uh, the future is not about more growth; uh, it's about uh, thrive, uh, as we can learn from um, from nature. Um, Maurice, let me explain you um, why I explicitly use the term existential. Okay. Um, because um, uh, existential economics namely combines two crucial uh, elements that um, are represented in some way in all the essays in uh, in the Thrive book and also in my, um, in my own uh, book. And um, the first is, the 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 acceptance uh, that life on a meta level on this planet Earth is interdependent, yeah. which uh, you can call a Buddhist insight, but you could also call it the definition of ecology, because any ecologist will will tell you that all life on this planet is coexisting uh, on this uh, on this uh, on this planet. Yeah. So the the existential uh, uh, means that we should um, look at life and therefore also the economy from a life-centric uh, perspective. And so the problem with the current economics is that it is material-based, not existential. So it it looks at extraction, it looks at allocation, uh, and these are all 
um, very understandable from a from a human material economic perspective, but they're really problematic from from an existential um, uh, coexisting uh, perspective. So there it starts. You know, we should look at the economy from an ecological um, perspective uh, be, because it, it is about life. The, 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 the problem is not climate change. The problem uh, is not that we have to adopt uh, uh, ourselves to uh, different uh, situations. The problem is that we have an economic system that is killing life killing nature and with the killing of nature and life we're killing ourselves so economics first and foremost should be about um, embracing and empowering life on this planet which is really problematic because if you look at companies and households at this moment nine out of ten of us are doing destructive degenerating damaging stuff to life all of us um, so that's the start. But existential is also um, about the acknowledgement that our current economic system, neoclassical, is has created, has conditioned us to be material beings. And so without us knowing, we act as economic actors, not as human beings anymore. And so we have the tendency to look at life and ourselves from an economic um, uh, uh, perspective. So our, you know, our wants and our needs are material. Uh, our, even our well-being is material. So, um, and this is also uh, really uh, problematic because uh, there's a lot of scientific proof that humans, of course, aren't material beings. We have very real emotional needs, social needs, and also spiritual needs. And so, um, and I combine these two. So I, I, my philosophy existential is about that there is such a thing as existence, life, and that we somehow have to realign economics with the way that life works on this planet. Life has shown the same principles and patterns for billions of years. And we walk around a couple of thousand uh, years to think differently. You know, uh, what, what were we thinking? And mm. and the and uh, and on the second uh, note is we are meaning seeking uh, and meaning creating beings. Mm -hmm. You know, meaning is not a spiritual luxury; it's a first life uh, uh, need that we that we need. We we basically we we die without meaning. Mm -hmm. we, we 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 think that that uh, we don't need spiritual fulfillment uh but the, but the, the 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 cold hard bloody truth is is that we seek a lot of spiritual meaning in full in complete material meaningless stuff mm. you know we buy new shoes to uh, feel happy and fulfilled and satisfied mm. uh but you know shoes are not there to make us happy and satisfied you know, they're, 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 we, you, need, you need shoes to walk outside, you know. How, how do your students react to this, to this book, you know, to you? 
and and your view on the on the world um well it depends um but uh, we we have had field lab classes for two years um, and which is uh, is a combination of of research and uh, and teaching uh, so I worked intensively for periods of half a year with students, and uh, and I can say for for those students, uh, you know their their life has changed. I can I I can I can literally say it because I witnessed it. <laughs> uh, you know I I, I have yeah, there are so many stories, but you know just just to give you one example, uh, one of the students. Uh, a classic business student, you know, blue jacket, uh, very blue, <laughs> very, uh, um, uh, very rational. Joined my class, and uh, yeah, yeah, I asked him, you know, what do you want to do when you finish uh, school? Well, and, you know, I have it all figured out. I want to become a partner at Deloitte. Uh, my, my dad was partner at Deloitte. I want to be partner at Deloitte because it enables me to lead the kind of life uh, that I want. You know, very, very directed towards. Um, and then we started to work uh, to, uh, together. And our, and our whole approach is based on uh, subjectification. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with with a term. It's been termed by uh, by by Bista, which basically means that we try to give students space. To subjectify themselves, you know, to 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 put themselves in the world, to experience themselves in relationship to the world. So we just started first three months. There isn't the word, there isn't the use of the word business or economics at all. It's only about who am I, what do I want, what what does the world ask from me, uh, what can I do, and during this process, uh, this student came to the conclusion. Uh, I don't. I don't want to become partner at Deloitte. This is, you know, I always thought I want this, but this is what my dad wants. <laughs> I want something completely different. And and now he's actually uh, he graded with a, a straight A's, you know, a, a ten out of ten, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's now working in uh, in The Hague, big city, to start the first real off grid energy common in uh, in the Netherlands. So he's basically working now in a neighborhood. And the whole neighborhood will go off grid to create and distribute their own uh, energy, which would be unthinkable when he entered the classroom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a hippie stuff, and uh, and uh, um, but uh, but of course, our business school is the biggest in the Netherlands, so we have about seventeen thousand business students per year mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and of course a lot of them um uh have very simple straight war straightforward wants uh, and needs you know they want to have a, a, a great job that makes serious money so they can buy a big house one or two cars in front of the of the lawn and uh and one or two uh, big breaks uh, uh per year to some far away uh, country mm-hmm. And and when I and then when I uh, enter the room to start to talk about existential economics, they look at me like, "What is this guy thinking?" I I have no idea what he's talking about. Um, what we do know, and what we do uh, note, and I don't know how that is in the U.S., but I, I can I can safely say that now in the Netherlands, we I think we've even crossed the tipping point. 
climate change and uh, and biodiversity laws are are so problematic, are so um, in the news and in the headlines uh, every day that a lot of students start to wonder, you know, uh, I might want to and uh, aspire these uh, wants and needs, but am I really going to make them happen in in this uh, in this time in life? Yeah, so, um, you know, I might want to buy a, be- a very big and nice house in Rotterdam, but how does Rotterdam um, look in 50 years from now? Well, probably um, um, flooded by water <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's well located. Uh, it's located well below uh, sea level. And if all mm-hmm. the, the uh, predictions uh, uh, are going in the re- direction that we're heading, then, you know, um, and then they start to rethink um, their own uh, wants and need and their own belief system. Like, maybe I should have a different outlook on life. Maybe life isn't only about me. <laughs> maybe there is such a thing as um, community and that we have to take uh, take better care of each other. Uh, so um, uh, uh, it depends. I would say the majority still thinks uh, that existential economics like the donut etc is hippie stuff uh but i would also say that more and more uh people uh, start to um discover by themselves that are actually probably the only valid gateway to a livable uh future a lot of the scenarios out there now the green growth scenarios are 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 based or build uh, uh, upon quicksand mm. from a scientific perspective. I, I will get back to your students in a, in a little bit. I I I would like to to link you know you talking about um, you know existential economics in relation and and climate change in relation to the sustainable development goals. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know it's it's something that I I talk about with with uh, all my guests um, because you know my organization tries to contribute to do to this and I think it's you know it's it's not um, it's not perfect but it's what we have. What do you want uh, my listeners to know about the sustainable development goals? So that's one part, and the other part I know you've written. I, I don't know if it's only in Dutch, but I've I've you have written a blog post around. Uh, you know the prerequisites, uh, the enablers, uh, things that we need to do first, and and then the SDG Gs will be reached. Um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well. So what do you want the listeners to know about the, the sustainable development goals? Yeah. So uh, let's start on a positive uh, note. Uh, you, you know, I'm really, really grateful uh, and and happy that the sustainable development goals are there because they they do the job. They um, they are um, approachable. They're really easy to understand. They're accessible, uh, and they're also attractive. So a lot of pe- people, students, but also professionals um, get a taste of thinking broader than only their uh, their strict financial material uh, focus. And so uh, uh, I I I love to work with them and I do and I do work with them and I do also I also work with the Dutch organization 
that uh, supports the um, the uh, sustainable development goals. The problem is only, uh, and um, and this isn't uh, only. Uh, related to the sustainable development goals, but this is basically universal for all the wonderful initiatives out there. Also for uh, uh, ESG governance and uh, and all the other initiatives. You know, if people don't use them properly or authentically, uh, then you end up with washing. And so uh, you know, there is green washing, there is purpose washing, and as you also know, there's also SDG washing. So a lot of people choose an, uh, one of the SDGs that is easiest for them uh, to uh, fulfill, and then they uh, they blow that up in uh, in marketing and says, you know, we do our bit for the world. Um, the truth is that they're not, because they might do one thing really well, but at the, probably at the expense of many other uh, things. But they, you know, left behind. So I, so my main problem with the with the, um, the SDGs is that is that they present a very linear uh, world, you know, which is also what we do with climate change. Yeah? We tend to isolate the climate problem and say, okay, so this is climate. Climate means one and a half degrees war- global warming. Let's focus on that and do whatever it needs to to do it. Uh, and of course, that is that isn't how it works. I mean, it's it's one uh, interdependent system, uh, and climate uh, interacts with biodiversity, interacts with uh, um, with soil, interacts you know with everything, um, uh, with animal life, uh, uh, etc. So you can't solve climate change by uh, seriously decreasing uh, output of fossil fuel. It's important, but it's, it's certainly not the solution. And um, and this is also what the 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 SDG SDGs do. Eh? So people choose one or two or three uh, uh, of the uh, of the goals and then focus on the uh, on the goals and then uh, they they start to work in a lot of cases with the best of intentions, but they they don't look at these things as one interrelated uh, uh, system wherein. What might look good for the one is pretty bad for the other and, and, and vice versa. So what I try to do with the sustainable development enablers, together with Shinto, with whom I uh, curated the uh, the Thrive book, um, was to, well, let's say, cr- create a more, for a more of a mindset. And, 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 and mind you, this was, we wrote this piece before the IDGs. I didn't know about the inner development goals when we, when we wrote uh, this. We basically tried to give people, um, um, let's say, well, you could say different goals, uh, but goals that would basically solve the dualism uh, in the current goals uh, mm-hmm. by focusing on the right things so to say mm-hmm. yeah. so you know for instance if, if you if you take system thinking serious then you can't see the sdgs as a, as a set of different goals now it's a, it's 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 a, it's a compass to the world and they're all uh, connected uh, to each other and don't get me wrong i know that people like you that work uh, intensively with the sdgs know this stuff um but my 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 students and also a lot of professionals that i work with have no idea really no idea they just feel like mm, let's choose this one the yellow one it looks nice 
uh, and then they uh, and then they uh, focus. So the SDG, mm-hmm. SDGs were uh, were an attempt to make people um, rethink the linearity and the isolatedness of um, uh, their perception of the current um, uh, SDGs. Can you tell for the listeners a little bit about what these SDEs are? And so that's one. And then second is um, how different or similar are they from the IDGs? Because I have spoken in my podcast about the inner development goals, just yeah. to for my listeners to be reminded. You know, that's a group of people that started to say, you know, we are not reaching the SDGs because we, you know, we lack we haven't focused enough on the abilities, skills, and qualities that you need as individuals and communities. So they came up with five inner development goals as a result of a survey that they done uh, did. So it's being, uh, thinking, relating, collaborating, and action. So, yeah, yeah my question to you is, is um, yeah, how what, what are your SDGs? What are your enablers? So just a, a quick uh, summary of that. And then how are they different or similar to the IDGs? Yeah, so, so the, the, well, again, I think they're very similar to the IDGs in the sense that they don't focus on the goals, but on the, well, the enablers of the, of the goals, which is, which is us. <laughs> you know, humans have to uh, enable uh, these, uh, these, these goals. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and what, and what the, the IDGs do so well is, um, is well, they're, they're basically uh, emphasizing con- the, the importance of consciousness. Um, you know, that there's a relationship between our inner world and the, the outer world, um, which I find really uh, interesting. And we did something similar with the, with, with the SDEs that were in for, well, let's say for instance, we, we, um, one of the SDEs was to, uh, to focus on indigenous wisdom. Um, and, uh, and why? Well, before, for instance, if you, if you, um, if you dive deeper into the, the way that indigenous folks, experience uh, the the planet there are two really important uh, elements one of them is that they um think in in kinship yeah? so everything is is next of kin is family so a river isn't a thing or a mountain isn't a thing or a, a, a tree isn't a thing but it's family <laughs> Uh, and you take care of of, of family and next of, uh, of of kinder. So there's a really, really intense relationship with stuff that we call stuff. For them, it's no, it's no, you know, it's not material. Um, and another thing which is I, which I think is really important uh, with indigenous folks is that they embrace long livity. Yeah. So um, they they tend to to think and act in um in service of seven generations so any decision any the big decisions that they make they make it for seven generations so seven generations later people will still be um feeling and experience the choices that we are making at this moment that there is that that is their outlook on on life and um, well, that means that if you take that into uh, account, of course, that means that a lot of the decisions that you need to make uh, 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 about, you know, what is wise at this moment and what would be um, uh, foolish uh, will make perfect sense. Because if you know that you want to do stuff now that that is lasting for for seven generations or 
that every everything you uh, you do is based upon uh, kinship that you can't extract and exploit nature as if it's a, a thing without uh, without any um value besides the value that you decide as humans uh, to to give it a pure, pure in, instrumental value and so indigenous wisdom makes value um intrinsic and and that changes everything so this is only one of the 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 Mm -hmm. examples and there are a lot more but we chose to approach this way so okay so if you are able to look uh, at the world from an indigenous perspective then this would be your normal uh, way to react on um, on on situation this would be your normal way to think and uh, and act and then if you do this you don't, you, well, you don't need a lot of the, uh, the goals in, uh, that are now in the SDGs because mm. they will be taken care of. Yeah. We, you know, because if you treat the planet as family, you know, we're not going to destroy it. That would be that would be incredibly stupid. <laughs> yeah, although although you know a lot of families, there is there are a lot of fights going on within families as well. So that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not ideal. It's no, no. I agree. <laughs> A quick question. So that art, that, that particular blog post, is it also available in English or only in Dutch? I have, I, I think, but it's a, it's a good. I can, I can see if we can get it out there in 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 English. Okay, I, I think it would be great. I mean, just again for the listeners, you know, I, I think there are twenty or twenty-one. You know, duality is one, and and it, I think it's definitely worthwhile reading. And yes, I I would agree that there are a lot of similarities with the IDGs. Um, and and definitely, if you if you dig deeper into the five goals of of the inner development goals, you come across the issues. You know the other points that you mentioned as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, in case um, I still have a lot of questions, I would like us to accelerate a little bit. Um, <laughs> if if you're okay with that, um, yeah. my my I, as I mentioned before, I would like to go back to the students and and um, and especially I have a question that I ask everybody about youth um, and religion and spirituality Um, because you know my podcast is a spin-off of a hundred mile walk uh, that i've been doing for the last 10 years i I postponed just mine because of personal reasons to beginning of of next year instead of this year Um, but during those walks i'm accompanied by people for a mile uh, or, or so and sometimes more and often we talk about the young generation religion and spirituality so my question to you is is what do you see happening among your students in your community and religion and spirituality start with um the, the that i think that uh the the the, the spiritual hunger is is humongous uh, at this moment so i find it well i can't and i'm i'm 54 but i can't remember a time wherein uh i found uh people more in need of spiritual guidance than this uh, time in uh, in uh, life really and and i can and i i can also notice this the need for for uh, spirituality and uh existential answers or or insights is is uh, bigger than ever. What I do find is that some people start 
to to look for those for those answers in strange places. Yeah? So uh, um, this is also a period of extremists and uh, uh, pol- uh, political polarization and plutocracy and. Um, let's say the the, the less pretty um, uh, things, and y- we both know that, of course, this has nothing to do with religion and spirituality. But I do think that people experience it in a way uh, like spirituality. So they are looking for, uh, they use it as a moral compass. They use it uh, uh, as um, as an as a framework, an ethical framework to make sense of their uh, their world. Um, which I think is quite disturbing. Um, and what I find, and I don't know if that is unique for the Netherlands or that is something that you might also recognize that I that I see that the rise of, let's say, um, informal faith, uh, so that people um, recognize and also describe themselves as religious, um, but they're not religious in the sense that they go to church every Sunday, follow this one church with this one interpretation of the of, of the Bible. So I I come across a lot of young people that actually um, would describe themselves as Christians, but they read books about Buddhism, for instance. <laughs> Uh, and they do mm-hmm. it with a re- with a with a really open mind. So not mm-hmm. to you know, let's see what the what the what the neighbors uh, say, but you know, like uh, re- really um, from a spiritual search perspective. Mm-hmm. And I find that well, I find that really um, uh, promising. Actually, I find it really really interesting that uh, well, I li- I work in, in in Rotterdam, which is a very multicultural uh, city, also from a religious perspective. And uh, I see a lot of beauty um, when these uh, kids from their spiritual needs um, meet in, um, in in religion. So we have very fruitful talks also in my classes about, um, uh, well, the Islam versus uh, the the Bible, because we have students that have an Islam and uh, a Muslim background and we have Christian kids and uh, and they uh, they sit together and they both understand the deeper meaning of existential economics because they both recognize mm-hmm. the, the, the the search for um, well, let's say the the, the the wonder of life and respect the, the respect for wonder the wonder of life. But especially in the in in the lot of the the more younger uh, the mm-hmm. centennials and the millennials, I find them you know, really open minded towards their. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, what I find more problematic is is that some f- try to find spiritual fulfillment in non spiritual <laughs> beliefs. <laughs> can can you elaborate on that? What do you uh, as, uh, or give an example? For instance, the the the, the re-rise of, of fascism and uh, and and racism also in the Netherlands is has very very ritual or uh, religious uh, traits. Worship of a certain uh, it's well it's it's a it's a manifestation of a belief uh, uh, system that has mm. not an awful lot to do 
with uh, how society is 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 run, but but how it 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 should be. It's a, it's a way to create a heaven on earth, uh, so to say. And um, I f- I find that a lot more scary to be bluntly uh, honest uh, than mm-hmm. um, so, uh, you are people having discussions um, about uh, whether um, the the Muslim faith or the Hindu faith is um, you know is the is the true faith or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and again, I I don't come across that a lot in the uh, in in the, in Netherlands. But then, then again, it might also have to do with the fact that that, that the Netherlands is a quite progressive, open-minded uh, country. I think we're less religious than, for instance, the US. And what you experience, of course, within the US is that people. I, I think you will find more people that consider themselves to be. Um, you know, member of a church, or 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 at least tell, you know, I'm I'm a Christian or I'm a I'm a Presbyterian, and you will, you know, yeah. that's part of the introduction. Could be part potentially part of the introduction. You would not experience that in a, that in the Netherlands, at least not the Netherlands that I know. And and again, I've I've left thirty years ago, so uh, but what things I, what have I, what, changed. But, but what I do know, and uh, I, I actually had a, a phone call a, a couple of hours before this uh, with one of my uh, colleagues, professors, that I find that uh, that there is that existential economics is really accessible for people of faith, uh, and it, it, it doesn't matter what faith. But I find that this existential thing, this this this. The capacity to think in, in spiritual needs is uh, is um, is very open and accessible within people of, uh, of of faith. So I work really well with Christian universities, Buddhist uh, uh, groups, and Islamic groups uh, because they well, they get the deeper meaning of what it means to be existential. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. I. I still would like you to to uh, because we talked now about you know the students that you work with as one homogeneous group, um, but again I've heard you say that you know the centennials are different than the millennials. Yes, and can you can I ask you to give you the you know the, the elevator speech on on, on that? Uh, yeah, well, the, the 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 main difference is that millennials are more uh, geared towards developing themselves. Um, so they are spiritual and existential, but they do it more to be to work on themselves, to develop themselves, to realize themselves fully. Whereas centennials are more societal driven. So centennials want system change uh, rather than self development. Yeah. So the, the main difference, although there are a lot more similarities than differences, but the main difference is that millennials are more in it for themselves. And centennials are more in it for system change. Case, if I would ask you to mention a song that embodies for a big part what you are about, which song would that be or piece of music and why? Well, it, it's it may sound like a cliche, but I I I think it's the it's the song that best describes the ultimate message of existential economics, and that is U 2s one, um, because that is 
that is what it that is what it is. We are one from a from a, an, a you know an academic empirical uh, uh, perspective. This isn't you know this isn't a romantic perspective of how things is. No, this is quite factual. <laughs> we are one, and there is only one uh, system. So I think one would be my uh, my my song of choice, and it's a bloody bloody wonderful song of as well. Eh? It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Great, and we will actually. I don't have to add it to the to the playlist that I developed uh, because uh, a previous uh, guest also picked uh, ah, the song one. Nice. So, so it's already there. Um, well, you know that you know I walk a uh, hundred mile um, in in a week, so fifteen to twenty miles per day to raise awareness about hunger, poverty, and injustice. Yeah, um, as well as you know some funds as well. If you would be asked to walk 100 miles in a week, for which course would you walk? I think at this moment, I would walk for my um, my son, um, who is nine years old. Um, and then not for my son personally, but for his generation. Um, because he embodies for me the, the generation that is heavily influenced by the choices that we are making yet they're not yet able to 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 influence their future themselves so i would love uh, to uh, you know focus attention on 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 the fact that you and i every decision that you and i may are making today will influence um the life um of of my son and his uh, his his generation and i feel at this moment enormous responsibility to get that point across because i talk so much with climate change uh, with climate uh, scientists and with ecologists and uh, the data that they share with me is so disturbing uh, that we can't uh, emphasize enough how important it is that we change our ways uh, to enable our kids to have um, happy, fulfilling lives uh, as well. No, and, and thanks for for lifting that up. I mean, within two weeks, I think um, two and a half weeks, uh, COP twenty seven will take place in Egypt, and and uh, my organization will also be there with with partner organizations. And yeah, there are many things that need to be decided. Um, you know, I, I, you know, when COVID happened. Um, uh, case you know I, I i think the world for maybe two weeks realized that we are all interdependent and interconnected yes unfortunately as soon as the vaccine was developed then then that went out of the window um but yeah we are in this together we are one as, as you said and and we need to fix this uh together so so uh yeah th- thanks for lifting that up um i you know i started with a new type of question and that is the question of my previous guest for you so i'm going to that was carl tong i'm going to play him and hopefully you will hear it hold on how do you define peace and how do you find it yeah so how do you define peace and how do you find peace for yourself wow good question (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i would define uh, peace as uh, acceptance um, or maybe even contentment 
um, and um, uh, I find peace in myself uh, after practice, practicing Buddhist for 30 plus years uh, through mindfulness, um, mm-hmm. which basically means that you that you um, study and welcome each and every um, sensitive, sensitory experience, each and every emotion that pops up. Uh, without judgment, uh, so not only the the, the nice uh, um, uh, emotions, but also the the horrible ones. Um, and if you, what one of my beloved teachers, uh, Bernie Glassman, taught me, you know, bear, bearing witness. Uh, so peace is bearing witness. It's be with whatever arises, uh, and it doesn't mean that you're okay with it, mm-hmm. but you bear with it so that is i would describe peace and 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 practicing peace uh, as bearing witness what is your question for the next guest or could you be happy without material comfort and what and what is happiness then Great. Casey, these, these conversations always go fast. So my last uh, question uh, to you is any last question or advice, message uh, for the listeners from you? Well, uh, maybe maybe one obvious, but I think it's it, it, it's important also to 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 bring back uh this this interview to the idgs that are so wonderful and that uh, in my opinion a better world doesn't start with you but within you um so um introspection who am i um uh, what what do i own of uh, in this uh in this situation is a fantastic pathway to uh, to create change in the um, in the world. It really, really, really starts within us. Uh, so I would like to emphasize this because I hear a lot of people talk about uh, you know I want system change and uh, they go on the street to demand it. Um, but the strange thing is, is they are all protesting against themselves because we don't only live in the system, but the system lives in us. So you can't protest the system away. Uh, you need you need to uh, accept it as being part of yourself, and then and only then you can dissolve it and create room for other uh, things. So don't fight the system, um, but welcome it within yourself. Thank you, Case, and 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 good luck with everything you do. I mean, it was was a great conversation. So thank thanks a lot. My pleasure, and uh, goodbye, and and good luck with the walk. Thanks. Bye bye. For listening to walk, talk, listen, please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.